start recording. Okay, we are recording. Uh, okay, Cubelet. Man, Cubelet's am I right? <laughs> oh boy. Hello and welcome to Gutshot, home of the hottest takes in Magic the Gathering. I am Fred, aka War Crimes Uwu, and joining me as always is my gorgeous host, Will, aka Aggressive Rhetoric. Yes, Gutshot, the only magic podcast legally recognized by the state of California to cause completion. And welcome to Gutshot. We, we're, we're finally here talking about one of our favorite things ever, at least one of my favorite things ever. One of my favorite things ever as well. A very, very fun way to play Magic um, that some people love, some people hate. Uh, we're talking about Cubelet. Yes, yes, Cubelet. Oh, oh, actually, before we get there, I do want to um, talk to you about something uh, very, very important. I know that we uh, said that we wanted to kind of shy away from doing uh, News of the Week stuff for Magic the Gathering, but I feel like we really need to talk about this. So are you aware of the Arena Open events that they do on Magic Arena uh, every every now and then, those super like uh, high-cost, high-competitive uh, uh, you know, uh, events they do on Arena? Yes, I am. Okay, did you hear that uh, the upcoming one uh so i think from date of recording would be about a week and a half from now is actually going to be sealed i did not know that that's really interesting i actually think i'm gonna play in that then because yeah, i have been eating cold time limited for breakfast yeah, I actually think I'm going to do it too. Um, you know, I actually have a lot more sealed experience than I do um, uh, drafting, and that's for just any set. I feel like that's where my limited skill set really, uh, really shines. And I'm thinking, not not that I'm super well versed in Caldheim, but I'm thinking if it's sealed, I'm willing to put down some gems and and try it out. So, um, I, oh, absolutely. You want to put our brains together to build our decks? Oh yeah, dueling by committee. I saw that episode of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! I thought <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a very formative memory for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just meant for, for building um, so we can make sure we, uh, we're looking at it well and like uh, building the best possible deck for I'm assuming it's like best of three, like very serious sealed. Um, I know. I actually think there are two cues. You can do best of three. For day one, you can do best of three or best of one. And okay. I, I think I would probably do best of one just because. That's yeah, I think kind I of, would too. Yeah, um, that's kind of what, you know, what I've done. And I um, I don't know exactly when you would get this, but apparently you can get that super sweet Phyrexian style Vorn Clicks uh, card style. So you know I got to get that. That is pretty sweet. Um, there was a Magic the Gathering Facebook group where people were telling each other with straight faces that that was in Hebrew and Arabic. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah the the phyrexian the phyrexian vorinclex does look sweet i wish uh it were in real life that you got it as a prize because it is worth like 80 dollars for some reason <laughs> yeah no, um, I to totally understand <laughs> yeah i pulled the showcase from my uh from my pre-release kit but not the uh not the uh, phyrexian one but yeah i uh, i would absolutely love to play in that um that's pretty exciting um so yeah any listeners who are into Kaldheim sealed because i've been i've been taking um Taking Caldheim Limited uh, for a ride in the Wind Wagon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I actually, 
I actually don't know if we would be technically breaking the rules by um, comparing decks and uh, you know doing um, uh, sealed deck building together. Like, uh, okay, well, let's find out if we're allowed to do that or not, and then do it if we're allowed. I'm sure it's like they can't they can't tell you not. So maybe we'll maybe we'll have to do that. But if that is actually a crime, we didn't say that, and this is a parody podcast. Right? Yeah. If we're not allowed to do it, we're not doing it. Like, um, the last thing I'm going to do is admit to a crime on a podcast. I ain't, I ain't yeah, doing right. it. Right. <laughs> I'm not Shane Dawson. For sure, for sure. But yes, like you said, uh, we're talking about Cubit, uh, Cubelet today, something that's near and dear to my heart and I know to yours as well. But before we get there, um, we haven't really mentioned this much, but I wanted to take a time, you know, to, uh, you know, to mention this. Um, but, you know, we, a while back, we kind of, not really a relaunch, but we kind of redoubled our efforts on the uh, the Gutshot program and waiting to get this out, you know, tweaking it into something that both of us could be excited and proud of. Yeah, sort of season two. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely say it like that. Um, But one of the things that we're doing is that we're really focusing on YouTube this time. You know, the audio of this still goes on the podcast uh, feed. um, So, you know, we love our listeners there. But, you know, there's a whole video component to this on YouTube. So, um, you know, I got to do all the YouTube stuff. You know how it is. I don't make the rules. This is how this is. So if you're watching us on YouTube, we'd really appreciate it if you would like uh, you know, hit, you know, hit the subscribe button. That's that's what I keep looking for. Like once when we get like one new subscriber, I lose it and I just feel like I'm walking on air the rest of the day. That's the best feeling. So you know, like you know, like the video if you want. Please subscribe. It would make our day. Um, I I personally don't ever hit the bell icon uh, on YouTube. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be saying that, but I, I don't ever do it because I'm not really a huge fan of notifications. But if you're the kind of person that you know doesn't mind getting uh, uh, notifications from Chrome and you want to be notified when we put out a new episode, you know, please hit that bell icon. You know, it would really uh, mean a lot to us, you know, if you wanted to uh, help, you know, stay on top of our content. And, you know, we don't care what you have to say. You know, call us, you know, uh, you know, call us slurs, you know, do, do whatever you want. You know, uh, tell us how um, uh, how uh, we really need to uh, stop uh, making a podcast. Uh, whatever you have to say, if you would just leave a comment and just tell us your real thoughts about what we're doing, that would mean the world to us. So um, yes. know, like, subscribe, hit the bell, comment. If you're watching on uh, or if you're listening to us on, uh, you know, a podcast, just just you know, keep vibing the way you are, um, but um, that would really help us. So just you know, yeah. consider it. One thing that's really important to our engagement: um, if you could actually go through to all of the other channels that you're subscribed to and unsubscribe from them, uh, and dislike any videos of theirs that show up in your feed, that will help your feed become just gut shot. Oh yes. Um, so we would really like that if you would do that. As well. right. Oh, oh, I, I will not stab you if you stay subscribed to stevensville gamers or disc dandies i think i think those those will be fine but but anyway we're talking about cubelet today um uh, uh fred are you excited for this one i'm incredibly excited for this one um yeah, why don't you go through and explain what Cubelet is? Uh, yeah. We've kept the people away from that. Oh, oh okay, yeah, we, we've definitely wound up enough. All right, so what is Cubelet? Cubelet is a special format of playing Magic the Gathering with two or more people. Uh, and the idea is that you're not bringing your own deck to the table. 
you and all of your opponents are playing off the same deck. Um, typically a 100 card pre-built shared deck. Now this, oh, that's my land. Okay. Um, now this, this design deck uh, will look different than a normal magic deck. Um, it will have no lands in it. Um, you know, when you're playing, you're not actually going to be playing land cards. Um, and you know, is there one Simeon spirit guide and one Elvish spirit guide for you and your opponent to share? You could if you wanted to, and and we'll get to how you could uh, make Cubelet your own further in the episode. But okay, so it's a 100 card, a 100 card pre-built shared deck, um, and there are no lands. When you and your opponent sit down, and from now on, I'm going to you know talk as though it's only two players. Um, it's a, you, you, you're going to shuffle the 100 card deck, and you're going to deal uh, a hand to yourself and a hand to your opponent. So you're you're going to be playing like a, like a normal deck of cards. You're each mm -hmm. draw a hand, and uh, when in the normal course of playing, when you draw a card, you're going to draw from the shared deck. So you're both. You're both drawing all your cards from there. Uh, the deck has, you know, all sorts of colors in it. It's going to be, it's going to run the gambit of uh, stuff that's in magic other than the lands. Now, how are you actually going to play your spells? Uh, when you, it is your turn, you can choose any card in your hand to play face down as a land that taps for any color mana. Uh, I think that some magic formats might actually have a name for what that card, like a rainbow land or something like that. Uh, I, I don't know of any name you would call that in Cubelet. It's, it's just a land that you play uh, face down. But you can choose any card to play face down. Now that has interesting um, uh, uh, strategic implications because your hand's going to run the gambit between you know aggressive cards, mid-range cards, um, you know, cards that are really good that are almost bomb level, or cards that are really just role players that don't play a role in your current strategy. So part of the, the, the fun of this is crafting your hand uh, via your land drops to um, to enact the game plan that you think is most powerful out of the cards that you've drawn, and your opponent's going to be doing the same thing. So um, you know that that's that's another layer of the um, uh, of the fun that you get from Cubelet. Yeah, I um, I agree. I think you know you you can be putting down your aggressive cards to play your like to play your like control cards or vice versa if the Cubelet is designed well. Um, and it really asks a lot of you, but also like, you know, the cards that you're drawing are random. You're going to try to be making the best of them, um, later in the game. So it's, it's definitely a very strategic format. Yeah. And, um, all the cards, other than the rules that I just laid out, you're just playing a normal game of magic. You have Correct. a set, you have a seven card hand. You're drawing one card per turn. Uh, you, you are just playing the cards as they are written. It's not like mental magic where they can be other cards or they like do different things. You're just playing magic with the cards that you've drawn other than you have to, you know, you're sharing the deck and you're playing those lands. So I, I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, I got this idea from Alex Stacy of Loading Ready Run uh, on their Tap Tap Concede podcast back in 2014 they had an entire episode devoted to uh, alex explaining what he built uh, so the cubelet 
the cubelet name comes from him. And um, once we kind of go through uh, my list here in a bit, um, it actually mirrors quite a bit what Alex originally came up with. The more that I've played the cubelet, the more that I've um, realized that he really kind of knew what he was doing when he yeah. put it together. But I've also made a lot of changes of my own, you know, for my own, you know, ways of playing and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, uh, props to him for, you know, coming up with something really great. And I think that he said on the podcast that this is really close to a lot of different, a lot of other uh, magic variants um, like Wizard's Tower or Type 4 that vary from it very slightly. So, you know, if you, if what we're saying sounds familiar there's probably already a magic variant that's very close to this but isn't exactly this like i, I know that there's um a format where it's like um uh you know you you draw random cards and you play the cards as is but you don't play lands you just like get like mana to play like you get like five mana per turn or something yeah. like that I, that might be wizard's tower and there's and there's a couple others i remember uh, you know, back back in the day, years ago, when I would you know, usually go to modern, uh, and uh, you know, like you and I would play Cubelet together, and uh, you know, the um, very entrenched competitive modern players would come up to us and like ask us what we were doing, and uh, you know, we we would explain what Cubelet was, and <laughs> the response that we would most always get would be like, oh, is that like Type Four, or is that like uh, you know, is that like Wizard's Tower? Or something like well, that. Well, I think the, the the response we would most often get was just like a snide look. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, which is weird because we're entrenched modern players. We just also enjoy fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they could see the cards we were playing when we go through my list. You know, you'll see what type of cards I, we were playing with, which I think would appeal to modern players. But right. yeah, so this is pretty close to some other variants, but it's its own special thing. And I think that it kind of vaults it up to another tier. And, uh, and real quick, before we move on, uh, I want to just highlight that the I want to highlight two things. There is a website that focuses on Cubelet um, that you can peruse. It's a uh, MTG cubelet.com um, and the, it's a pretty okay website it pretty much explains all the stuff that I've explained here uh, mm -hmm. you know um, you know gives Alex Stacy credit for the creation of the format and they've and for a while they were doing um, like a set reviews for cubelet how these cards could fit into the cubelet format so you know that's there for you to look at um, I I mostly agree with everything that's on that website they do have a few weird ideas on on uh, cubelet creation philosophy that I don't really uh, 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 you know, agree with uh, all that well, but that is there. If yeah. you're more interested, you could look at that website. And, and one more thing, um, one more thing I want to highlight real quick is that um, the mastermind format that you may have seen on Arena is like a souped-up super form of cubelet. Uh, you know, instead you discard the card and you get a um, land token that taps. But um, if this sounds like something that you remember from Arena, Arena Mastermind format is pretty much cubelet. So th that's that's my diatribe. That is what cubelet is. Yeah, uh, PSA uh, in terms of uh, cards from new sets going in your cubelet. Um, maybe don't put Fortel in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, you know that's that's one thing we'll talk about later is that the cube format actually makes a couple of kinds of cards a little awkward. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about um, 
a flashback later. Um, I don't think it's in the list, but morph is something that you'd probably want to um, be wary about having uh, in your uh, in your cubelet for obvious reasons. You're not going to be able to tell your morph cards away from your lands, but that is what cubelet is. And just to give you all an idea of what a what a cubelet could look like, I wanted to highlight my list, for example. So right here, we're looking at the white cards. And this, you know, I think that this is a pretty good list of just, you know, kind of legacy cube level playable white cards that people would be excited to play with. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, I think this cubelet, like, really has the modern player's touch. Um, you know, a lot of these are cards that like modern players would know. Your cubelet's going to speak to the time that you were most into magic, uh, in terms of what cards go in it, just like any cube would. And I think that's good. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a modern player's cubelet looking at cards like Wall of Omens and Flicker Wisp and Path to Exile and Day of Judgment and O Ring. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, kind of, kind of those fun cards like Porcelain Legionnaire. I think that's that's a card that uh, really speaks to me as a player, as someone who has played a lot of Phyrexian, as someone who likes, uh, you know, a, like uh, aggressive weenie strategies. That's a pretty good one, a Flicker Wisp. Mm -hmm. I've had some uh, good um, memories of that card. But, yeah, we move on to blue. I mean, you have uh, Delver of Secrets, uh, Counterspell, Mold Drifter, uh, which is a very good uh, card. A Frantic Search, uh, Mana Leak. This is like... Core. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This is like, um, you know, just a smattering of just those, like, you know, uh, mid-level role-player cube cards. And then some fun cards. We got, uh, you know, Fog Bank, and Invisible Stalker, uh, you know... Um, those types of cards like yeah so you there's room for fun while also um highlighting you know kind of the the um uh you know famous cards of magic and uh but yeah your, but your cubelet doesn't have to be this way you can do it a number of different ways let's move on to black yeah hypnox specter that's like the classic card uh for mm -hmm. me personally but you also get uh, other things like a Liliana Spectre, um, Stab Wound, Infest, um, you know, uh, Carrion Feeder, which actually, uh, Carrion Feeder is a lot stronger than it looks in this uh, format, as well as Nantuko Shade, you know, a card that is not very good these days, but used to be a powerhouse and can still be a powerhouse here in this cubelet. Yeah, playing this cubelet, you don't have to show up to modern with Ponza to get a stab wound. <laughs> yeah, move on to Red Flame Tunkavu, um, Siege Gang Commander, a uh, Hellspark Elemental. That's a, a nod to just you know my own uh, you know way of wanting to play Magic. Goblin Bushwhacker. That's definitely like you know uh, because this is mine. Uh, you know, Bushwhacker is going to be in there. And then, you know, going to green, you got uh, Thraggy, you got the Swag Tusk, uh, Ambush yeah. Viper, Experiment One, uh, Rancor. Man, that, that one is, uh, you know, very, very much a part of my soul. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you go on to, you go on to, um, uh, multicolor and then that's where a lot of the power of this uh, cube comes from because you can play lots of gold cards you know mana colors are not really going to to matter not any too harder than real cards are to play right for or sure. regular cards yeah, for sure. You get real cards like Zorius Charm, uh, Kasali Pride Mage, a Murderous Redcap, but you also get like Blightning, uh, which is a good card. Unflinching Courage, Armadillo Cloak, um, Gorp Clan Rampager, which is a good card, but is also one near and dear to my heart. Uh, Frostburn Weird, uh, you know, Mystic Snake. That's, I mean, that's a card that no one would ever play anymore, but, uh, you know, it gets to shine here. Uh, and then figure. We're really showing a bias here because there's no Cascade cards. 
Yeah, no, no cascade cards. Although that would be fun. Um, uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. But like, <laughs> if you wanted to build a cubelet that kind of focused on cascade, I think I think there would be room for fun there. And then, and then of course, figure of destiny down at the bottom, which is um, kind of on the top of my list for a card that might be too powerful <laughs> for this uh, for this cube. But it but it is there. So this is what one cube could look like if you wanted to focus on like well-known powerful and fun cards you could put any cards you wanted in here to create any experience you wanted but this is what my cubelet looks like and you've had a lot of fun playing this haven't you fred i certainly have yes uh some fun stories um will put in i feel like we've told this story on the podcast before but will used to have the full art giant growth textless promo um, in his cubelet, and we played it with my younger brother, uh, not Cornelius, another one who we will call um, uh, Beauregard. <laughs> um, and he lifted up uh, the the Texas promo, and, and Will put it in there thinking, look, oh, everyone knows what Giant Growth does. It's such a ubiquitous magic card. It's like one of the biggest, one of the most well-known ones. And Beauregard lifted it up and was like, uh, what does Giant Growth do? And uh, Will laughed. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great story. Love love Beauregard. Yeah, uh, quality brother. Um, but yeah, we uh, we have plenty, countless fun stories from Cubelet. Trying it different ways. Uh, you know, do you share a graveyard? Do you not? Um, but uh, here here is uh, here is why you should play Cubelet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to ask you off the bat, uh, Frederick. Uh, what is your like most favorite thing? about Cubelet. What, what do you think makes Cubelet like like the number one reason that someone ought to sit down and try it the next time they play Magic in person with another person? Um, it is low pressure. We can do it between intense rounds of Modern where I'm kind of, you know those games where your fingers get cold because all your blood's rushing to your brain? Oh yeah. You can have you can have Cubelet in between those rounds as just sort of a palate cleanser. And like, sometimes you win because you like, you know, were really tactical and answered their threats really efficiently and put exactly the right cards face down. And sometimes you lose because your opponent got to like resto a frag tusk or whatever, but like nothing's on the line. So it's okay to have some losses to random stuff. And it's kind of just fun to watch whatever strategy your opponent found play out, even if you're going to take the L. So it's just a very casual, fun format, which is usually like in order for a format to be casual and fun, like usually I hate it. Like I hate mm. commander. Um, I, think it's like the mario party of magic but cubelet just has that vibe and maybe it's the person that i've gotten to play it with um maybe it's the cards that have been chosen for the cubelet but it's casual and fun but i still enjoy it yeah that's a great point and and that's kind of why i started just carrying my cubelet everywhere i go it is the like if you want to like play magic in between magic in between rounds and stuff like that yeah it's exactly it's low pressure um i don't feel any um i don't feel bad at all just being like oh round starting let's let's scoop it up put it all back together yeah um, yeah and, and you know um it's low low investment but it's also low investment for with my cubelet in particular it's low investment while still playing interesting cards that people want to play you know people want to play counterspell or mana league they, they want to try to, you know, hit the opponent with a um, Hypnotic Spectre. They want to put it, uh, they want to put an Armadillo Cloak on a, um, um, on an Invisible Stalker. Uh, so, Let me be clear. I don't want you to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want, want to. 
I want to, my opponents don't want to. So yeah, I think that's that's a really uh, a great point. For me, um, I really love just the convenience of the prepackaged MTG gameplay. Uh, you know, it's it's just one stack of a hundred cards, and multiple p uh, people get to sit down and quickly play a game of Magic. You know, they don't have to pull out the the uh, ultra pro, pro satin towers of you know commander cards and pull out all their tokens or anything. It's just like, hey, you want to play? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just shuffle uh, the one deck. Um, it's great for playing with people who are who know Magic but don't play all the time, and you know you're going to run into. Uh, uh, so it's like if I go over to like a friend's house, I know that they, you know, play magic instead of like, oh, you know, trying to figure out what format we're going to play or anything like that. It's just like, oh, you know, I'll, hey, I'll just bring my cube over. Uh, you know, it, it'll be real quick. Um, it, so cube kind of gets as close as magic. I, I feel possibly can be to being a shelf stable board game that you can like pull off your shelf and just yeah. and just play. It's just very contained, very its own thing. You can just walk up to someone and be like, hey, I've got a cube that you want to play and just get that. Um, you're a, this is a funeral and I don't know you. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a great like packaged Magic the Gathering experience. Uh, I actually have two cubelets built at, you know, right now. One of them is the one that we just highlighted. I actually, as an experiment, went to build a very low-power cubelet, which is mm -hmm. almost exclusively made up. You might remember me telling you about this when I was first building this. Um, it's almost exclusively made out of commons and uncommons from M11, just because that's mm -hmm. kind of what I had laying around, but it's what I like to call a corset cube. So it's it's very much on the corset power level of you know like attacking and blocking and um, combat tricks. I think uh, I think Titanic Growth is in that one, uh, but you know yeah. it's 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 like Goblin Pikers and uh, Silvermane Lions and like um, Azure Drakes that kind of stuff. And I think the top end like goes up to. Uh, like um, Colossal Dreadmaw is is like oh, yeah. is like your top end <laughs> six drop uh, that that you can play. And uh, whenever my girlfriend and I sit down and play Magic, it's almost always that cubelet, just because it's just so easy just to sit down and play. I enjoy you know going back in time and enjoying kind of that you know uh, corset experience and you know it's just so convenient for the both of us uh for it to kind of be that lower lower you know um uh, uh lower complexity uh lower investment type of gameplay so you know, cube yeah. is perfect for that i agree um quicker just kind of pre-packaged and like you can you can adjust the complexity level for someone who is not super experienced with magic yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And there's a wide range of power levels. We, we keep talking about it, but now we'll actually talk about it. Um, you know, you could build this any way you want. You could pick what 100 cards of whatever you wanted without lands. Uh, and, it, you know, it could be whatever experience you want. Um, I kind of think of mine as being like a legacy cube level, um, you know, of a collection of cards. But there's no reason why you couldn't, you know, put power in this and have it actually be like a like a vintage cube experience i don't know exactly yeah, yeah. what that would look like but you could do it your cube doesn't have any plane your cube doesn't have any planeswalkers in it either that, you could throw Jake the mind sculptor and garuk wild speaker and chandra torture defiance in there and see how it works 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you would have to kind of balance it to where, you know, oh, absolutely, yeah. it, it, that would take a little bit of balancing, but you definitely could do it. You could make a popper cubelet, you know, uh, version of this where it's like all the top hits of like, you know, everyone's uh, popper cubelet. Uh, people do set cubes um, all the time, which, um, you know, uh, are finicky. Uh, and, you know, uh, cubelet would kind of be the same way, but you could make a cubelet that just focuses on like the highlights of color. Aldheim Limited. So it's just, yes, yeah. yeah, so you just get that limited gameplay as you're playing uh, Kaldheim. Uh, Fortel would be a little a little weird. But yeah. you know, that may, maybe think like Theros Beyond Death or something like that, or Ikoria. You know, you, you, could, you could build something like that. Um, you know, like you were saying earlier, you could build a Cascade Cubelet that focused on Cascade cards. And you could, that would be a very weird experience, but it sounds like it'd be fun for a couple of games. You could build something like that if you want. You could build a wind color Cubelet if you really wanted to. It's like, it's the Red Deck Wins Cubelet. And the whole idea is just to be more aggressive than your opponent. Like there's all sorts of ways that you could go with this. Yeah, your cube can be your cubelet can be twenty copies of each Zubera. No one can stop you. Ooh, I actually like that. Um I don't I would want to play it once. <laughs> I'll, I'll, say, <laughs> I I'll would. say that. But you could do that, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um so now we're gonna get into just sort of some considerations when you're building your cubelet and playing your cubelet about like uh rules you can implement and ways you can build it. Um, so our first question here is, should you share a graveyard? Um, and this actually like is pretty important um, to any cubelet because you know any a lot of uh, iconic magic cards really do use the graveyard. Mm -hmm. um, you know, flashback, things like eternal witness, which is in your cubelet. Uh, I like lingering souls. and the, the question of should you share a graveyard basically boils down to like or does each player have their own graveyard with the cards that they've sent there? Or does each player do you just share a graveyard and um, you can flash back the lingering souls your opponent cast last turn and you can eternal witness for a card that they used? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a very interesting question that you have to answer before you sit down for a game of Cubelet. And I, I, I wish I just had the answer. Um, uh, as, you know, just as a spoiler, I prefer to play with each player having their own graveyard. But yeah. you do not have to play that way. I think uh, you know, especially for like higher level or higher um, power level, or you know, um, cubelets that want to like bend the rules and have like little sub games. Uh, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, you can play with a shared graveyard. Um, but I, I think that that would kind of need a cubelet that's designed to work around that. While I've kind of tailored mine to work best with separate graveyards. Um, how do how would you you prefer to play Frederick? Um, I think I prefer playing with separate graveyards, um, but you you can build it either way. You just need to be conscious of the way it's going to interact with your cards. Eternal Witness gets a lot better. Flash flashback gets a lot worse. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, just be conscious of that uh, when you're deciding if you should share a graveyard. Right. The, you um, know, there's there's a lot of people who like those sub games though. You know where it's like yeah. it's another opportunity to outplay your opponent so i would say it's totally valid to um to have stuff like that um but um you know you 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 have to decide that that's the experience that you're looking for um if you want the kind of cubely experience to more focus on just the core fundamentals of magic you know it's like it, it really is just like 
you're playing a, a normal game of magic against your opponent, uh, you know, and, and you know, it, it's just focusing on uh, focusing on those fundamentals. It is best to have the separate graveyard. Um, that way, your your graveyard effects are just going to kind of work normally instead of being a weird sub game. But you know, I would actually love to see somebody build a cubelet that focuses on the graveyard being like a sub game that you know, kind of having to get on the next level above your opponent and uh, having gameplay come from that. I agree. I think um, I think if it's that that is um, that is a sub game you can pursue. I would say it's difficult to make it work and it's especially going to be unintuitive for your players but that is something you can do um yeah that's for the like that's for like the high level like yeah super big brain magic players Uh, i much more prefer just the normal gameplay of a uh uh, of a of a you know um separate graveyards but close to that question is also the uh, the option of scry do you want to put scry cards in your cubelet and this is a question i've kind of wrestled with the entire time i've had uh you know my cubelet so just off off the cuff how do you feel about this project oh i love them i think they're really interesting in the way that they play uh unless you're about to immediately draw cards scrying basically becomes fate sealing uh, unless you're scrying really deep, and then you want to alternate good card, bad card, good card, bad card, and then hope that your opponent um, doesn't have a way to draw multiple cards on their turn. A good card to look at would be Omen Speaker. You look at the top two. If one of them's good, one of them's bad, you put the bad one on top and then the good one. If they're both bad, you leave a bad one on top and put another bad one on the bottom, or leave them both on top if you think your opponent's going to... You know, it's, it's, There's a lot of mind games with Scry 2. Scry 1, not so much. You're basically just deciding, am I okay with my opponent drawing this card for a turn? But like Omen Speaker, I think should be a staple cubelet card because of the interesting mind games it creates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, this for me, this is very close to the "Do you want to share a graveyard?" It adds another sub game, which is fun for some players. You know, I, I have had Scry cards in my uh, cubelet before, and it very much plays. It very much is a mind game with the Scries, especially since there are no blank cards. Your opponent will always draw a playable card that's worth a card. You know, uh, de- you know, depending on on the cubelet. Um, with mine, all the cards are, are good cards. So you can't just give your opponent like a land that does nothing. So that kind of mm-hmm. mitigates that a little bit. But um, like I said with the graveyards, having scry cards adds a sub game uh, that detra- that I-, I feel detracts from the core like gameplay of Magic the Gathering, which is why I've chosen not to have Scry in my cubelet. Yeah, I used to have, I don't remember the name of it. It's a Sphinx from the original Theros block, but um, some people might remember what this is. When it attacks, you Scry 3. And that was very much like a, if you get it, you want to play it because getting that scry all the time is just, you know, it, it just kind of really puts you so far ahead because you're always choosing what your um, opponent drew. That was fun for a little bit, but I eventually decided that it was detracting, uh, you know. Like we said before, you might want to build a, a cube where this game, where this um, mini game exists. It sounds like you, th- like this type of mini game, is really in your wheelhouse where yeah. you would want to play. I, I kind of shy away from that. That's why my cube has cards like um, Preordain, where it's. Um, is it? Yeah, I think Preordain might be the only scry card that's still in there. Um, like Ponder, uh, Pond. Well, Ponder's not in here because it shuffles the deck. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm shying away from scry. But you could absolutely build a cubelet that kind of focuses 
uh, on having scry as a core component of what like blue does uh and and mm -hmm. have that be a part of the cubic cubla experience yeah um i think i think you should revisit scry i think it can be really interesting okay. um if i build the cubelet it would definitely have quite a few scry cards but i understand not every player might love it um but I think it has an important place in there. But um, next is possibly the most important question. What power level should you shoot for? Are you going to be including power nine? Or are you going to be doing um, commons from core sets? I think the important thing is that you don't put power nine alongside commons from core sets. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I uh, as we said before, you you can have any power level that you want. And all of them would have their own, um, uh, you know, um, strengths and weaknesses but uh, i would say much like a cube as this is named after all of the cards need to be similar in power level like you said you can't put ancestral recall next to you know just draft commons from the latest set um you know because since it's a shared deck and you are drawing card after card every card needs to be on the same power level for it to be a fun and balanced gameplay experience you don't want a situation where you're drawing pieces of power and your opponent is only drawing like random bears that's not fun that, you know like cubelet should kind of t it has the ability to take away that function of magic where sometimes you have non-games and that yeah. kind of happen in Cubelet, but it happens a lot less often because all mm -hmm. the because one you're always drawing gas, and two all your cards are on a similar power level. So any power level you want, as long as you're consistent with that type of card inside the Cubelet. Yeah, um, I think I, I pretty much agree with that assessment. Whatever power level you find the most fun. Um, although I think introducing Power 9 can create non-games because the person who sees Ancestral Recall and the person who doesn't are on a widely different playing field. Um, but, you know, then that person could later draw into uh, upheaval or something. So there's no real way of knowing. Yeah, I was thinking that this would be a lot harder to make with power. Like, it's easy with uh, commons and uncommons from a core set. Um, balancing a very high power cube does sound like it would be um, uh, much more difficult just because there's much higher swings in the power level. But I bet someone could do it, and I would love to play it if someone pulled it off. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So this is um, something that you went to. Oh no, we're going to balancing colors. Okay. Yeah. Does does balancing colors matter? Um, your lands are going to tap for every color. I mentioned that it's totally possible for you to build a single color cube if you wanted to. So um, you know, balancing colors. Do do we want to balance the colors in our our cubelet? Um, I I would go ahead and say that I do think it's a better experience if you do. Um, how do you feel about this, Frederick? I think I disagree. Um, I've played the mono green cube. Um, I thought it was really fun. I liked it a lot. Uh, and that's not to say that your cubelet should also be monocolored, but you're removing yourself from the constraints of Magic the Gathering's color pie with the cubelet, um, which, I mean, I don't dislike the color pie, but it's one way to play the game. And I think you should really lean into that. That's not to say, like, disinclude a color you don't like as much, but, like, if there's, um, you know... 28 white cards you like and only like 17 blue cards then just do that or like you know you and i have been playing competitive magic for a while we know there's only about four good white cards mm -hmm. um so like the, those are the only white cards that need to be in your cubelet um you know you don't need to put in more um there's no real 
reason to color balance. You can go ham on the multicolored cards, just knowing that they're easier to cast. Um, and just include a few monocolor cards. There's really no reason to balance the colors as long as you're getting all the different effects magic can do or all the different effects that are fun that magic can do within your keyblet. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I totally agree with you on that. Uh, when 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 I would my my main cubelet is balanced, reasonably balanced between the colors, just because mm-hmm. I want it to be a showcase of everything that magic can do, and it does focus on older cards, which are kind of staples of that color. If you're doing something a little different, um, you know, maybe maybe you want to, you're trying to get a certain experience, you absolutely have the ability to um, play around with the color balance. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I like I just like it to be symmetrical. I'm that kind of person where it's like I will just kind of um, um, uh, really obsess over making sure that like you know everything is symmetrical and that every color is represented. But that's just me. So I I, I definitely agree with you that it should be less of a concern than all the other things we're talking about here. Yeah, there are no areas of my life in which I'm obsessed with symmetry. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely don't painstakingly take one egg out of each side of the carton and eat more or less eggs than I intended to to make sure that the formation of eggs in the carton is symmetrical. That would be a super weird thing, and I don't do that. Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks for um, uh, make, uh, you know putting that on the record on your podcast. But uh, yeah, let's let's move on to um, tutors and shuffling. Should you have tutors in your deck? Should you have cards that shuffle your deck? And I, I just wanted to mention this because I'm actually very against tutors and deck shuffling in cubelet. It just it just ruins the experience. It just takes time uh, for for no apparent reason. And if you're playing with somebody new, they're not going to know what cards are in the cubelet. They're not going to know what to search for. It's just a cleaner, quicker experience without these things. And honestly, if you're building your cubelet correctly, you probably shouldn't need this kind of stuff in there. Um, do you feel differently, Frederick? Yeah, well, I think um, I agree with you for, like, new players, but if you're playing a cube that you've been playing for a while and you're generally playing it with the same person over and over, it can be really cool to add something like Mnemonic Tutor. I think getting exactly the card you need is worth probably two mana, maybe three. Maybe put the three mana tutor in there. Um, and, like, it just adds an extra dimension. Like, you know, I played with this card last time and it was really fun, so now if I get Mnemonic Tutor, I get to play with it again because I get to grab it, unless it's in my opponent's hand. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I, I do I do like that. I just I just do not want to shuffle the deck during gameplay. I think I think that really slows down the pace of gameplay. is not is not conducive to the type of like just sit down, quick game. You know, um, you know, we're we're just battling it out between rounds. Um, I, I think it kind of goes against that. And, and just shuffling a hundred card deck just isn't isn't fun. It's one of the least fun things in Magic for me. So I actually feel pretty adamant that I do not want this stuff uh, in my cubelet but you know i totally understand if you or someone else wants to add that as an extra kind of layer of complexity so uh, that's those that's just my thought my thought on that okay no that's totally fair i think i'm with you until um two people are super into the cubelet together and like have kind of memorized the list and then i think it becomes worth it yeah you're Um, you're a bit you're a bit big brain uh more big brained than i am so i don't i don't blame you for having uh having that opinion but okay so we're finally here this is something that you wanted to talk about and is not something that i have actually spent all that time thinking about um so you wanted to talk about spell count in cubelet what are your thoughts on this yeah um how many um like spell how many um 
how many instant speed spells? I maybe did not title this correctly. How many instant speed spells um, go in the cube? Uh, instant speed sort of um, snowballs in power in terms of how many copies or how many different instant speed cards are in a cube or in a deck. Obviously, like if you have a flash creature and a counter spell, you're not cutting off your ability to play a creature if you wait to play the counter spell. So, in order for this to be successful in, in cube, uh, or in cubelet, you know, you need a critical mass of instant speed spells. Otherwise, every time that you're passing um, to hold up a counter spell, you risk your opponent not playing something worth countering, and then you're not having to do anything meaningful to do with your mana. And I think your cubelet does a good job of this, because it does include, like, half of the charms from Ravnica, which are all instants that can at least do something without reacting to your opponent. Um, they can at least do something, um, like, at the end of your opponent's turn if they didn't play anything worth interacting with, and then that, that plays well with the counter spells. But I think it's something people need to be conscious of when they're building a cubelet. Either no counter spells or counter spells and plenty of other good instant speed cards so that if you're stuck holding up a counter spell, you're not just giving up your turn if your opponent doesn't play something worth countering. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I, I'm sure that you agree with this, but I am going to say it. Um, you know, there should be part of the downside of playing counter spells is that sometimes your opponent, you know, your opponent just isn't going to play anything that's worth countering like that, like that kind of does need to be within the game to be a bit of a foil to um, having a, um, you know, um, uh, you know, a deck or a hand filled with instant speed stuff. Sometimes, sometimes you need to be punished for, for, you know, uh, uh, you know, not committing anything to the board. Uh, you're right. I do think that the sp uh, balance of spells in my cube in particular is good for this, but yeah, you, you, it would definitely, if, if you want to play higher powered, spells you you do need to also have the ability to you know basically commit a lot of stuff to the board and um, yeah over be able to overwhelm that player who's able to you know kind of just get all the good instants and sorceries so yeah it's it's a it's a good balance it's something to think about when you're building your cube and it's not really something i had thought about before yeah Okay, okay, so that's a lot of considerations for building playing. I hope we didn't uh, push anybody off of actually trying Cubelet. I'd like to reiterate, this is a really fun way to play, and no matter how you do it, you're most likely going to have a good time, no matter how you go on any of these uh, considerations. But to kind of uh, cap off our discussion, uh, we wanted to do a little mini list of each of our favorite cubelet cards. Um, all of mine are in my cube, which I, um, a cubelet, which I um, uh, highlighted here. I think you have a few that aren't actually in this one that might yeah, be. Yeah, I think a couple others. of mine are in Will's cubelet as well, but. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and start off with mine. Um, and you mentioned, uh, and mine are not in any order. Uh, Frederick's might be. Yeah, but um, you mentioned that there are Return to Ravnica charms in my cubelet. There's quite a few, not all of them, like Rakdos Charm doesn't really do anything, but I really yeah. wanted to highlight Simic Charm. This is a card that kind of just does everything you need to in a, a cubelet that focuses on core magic gameplay. So Simic Charm is a, uh, it's two mana, a green blue instant, uh, uncommon from, I believe, Gatecrash. Uh, choose one. Target creature gets plus three, plus three until end of turn, so you kind of get an expensive, um, you know, giant growth. Or permanents you control gain hexproof until end of turn, so you know you can blank removal or anything like that. Or return target creature to its owner's hand. Man, this card kind of just does everything you need to, um, and, and I think that having that modality, that flexibility, really lends itself to the cubelet experience. 
Yeah, I agree. I think this is um, a great example of a card that really makes you think in Cubelet. And I think any charm is, or command is the same way. Uh, but I think Simic Charm is one of the good ones because uh, it really does it does three different things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, is it Charm also does a lot of good work, um, you know, for those mm, that are yeah. familiar with that. Um, Orzhov Charm is another one that is, you know, lower. It didn't see as much play as the others in its current standard, but its abilities work really well uh, for the Cubelet um, format. Yeah, Azorius can put a permanent on top of its owner's deck, which means you can take one of your opponent's things they've played and you get to draw it next turn. Yes, that is that is one sub game that I wanted to kind yeah. of keep in. I, I, I it's incongruent with the rest of the things I've said about the the cubelet, but I just I just want that one that one thing that kind of hints at the possibility of what cubelet could do. Yeah, yeah. So Civic um, Charm, you know, does a lot of good work. What is your card that you want to talk about? So uh, my first one is Eternal Witness. Um, you know, a lot better if you're sharing your graveyard, but still very good if you're not. Just a staple magic card, three mana, two, one. When it comes in, you return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Very simple, very elegant, very good. Uh, and I think it, it deserves a place in pretty much every cubelet. Yeah, cubelet is the perfect format to highlight cards like this that everyone knows is good, um, you know, and shows how good it is in, you know, uh, constructive formats and cubes. And, like, cubelet is kind of the perfect way. Like, you don't have to build an Eternal Witness deck in Modern to be able to play Eternal Witness. You can just slide one of them into your 100-card cubelet, and all of a sudden you get to play with the full power of Eternal Witness. Uh, you know, I love the cubelet's ability to, like, let me play with powerful cards and my favorite cards and play them in a low stakes format so you know cubula is a perfect way to kind of get the thrill of how good eternal witness is this is a good pick yeah um so next you've got yes so this is a card that's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I played this a lot in its standard format, and that's Invisible Stalker. Uh, you know, so some of you, you know, people who are playing an original Innistrad will recognize this card immediately. Um, you know, it's a lot more powerful than it looks. It's a two mana creature, one generic and then one blue for a one one creature, human rogue. It has hexproof and unblockable. So once this is on the field, it's going to be really hard to deal with. Now, it is just a 1-1, one, one, but, you know, the, I, back in Standard, you would put, uh, like, Rune Chanter's Pike on this, or you would, um, in the, the limited format, it would be, like, Silver Inlaid Dagger or Butcher's Cleaver, one, one of those two, and really mm -hmm. hit face. And I wanted to get something like that into my cubelet. So another card that, it's not on this list, but another card that's near dear to my heart is Armadillo Cloak, and I'm using mm -hmm. the, the um, kind of... Um, functional reprint that came out in a Dragon's Maze, Unflinching Courage, which gives plus two, plus two, and then lifelink. Um, so uh, one of the one of the more powerful things you can do in my cubelet is to put Unflinching Courage on the Invisible Stalker, and that is a really hard combo to beat. You can't you can do it because there are sacrifice effects. I made sure um, that like Diabolic to, or uh, Diabolic Edict is, is in here, um, so you you can get around that. But you know if your opponent gets it, you know you're just gonna have to either draw one of those or, or try to race it. That's game. That's fun gameplay uh, for me. How do you feel about Invisible Stalker? Uh, I agree. I think, you know, it highlights sort of the uh, one of the, the cool things about Cubelet, which is like in standard, if you wanted to slap Armadillo Cloak on an Invisible Stalker, you'd have to play Bant. You'd have to play three different colors just to do that synergy. But in Cubelet, you don't. 
you know, you can have a good Rakdos aura on this and a good Selesnya aura on it. Just have all five colors uh, on your Voltron. Uh, I think Invisible Stalker is definitely one of the more powerful cards in the cubelet. Um, given that there's, I think, a couple of auras. You know, you got Rancor, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, Rancor's there. Uh, yeah, and you can get around the Edict just by keeping your cheap creatures and not putting them face down as lands. So it's definitely a powerhouse in the cubelet, but I think it's earned its place for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So what is your next card? My next card is Skews. Oh, Skews. Um, the Skews yeah. is loose. The Skews is loose. All of your cards can be um, uh, lands, and all of your cards can all of your lands can tap for green. Mm-hmm. So this activated ability is very easy to do with your extra lands you have lying around, uh, and it just stops your opponent from using Eternal Witness from flashing anything back, uh, and it lets the Skews keep getting bigger and gaining you life. Um, uh, and and yeah, I mean, what more could you want? It's a very good two drop. This card, this is a very good card, and I've played with this card in Cubelet before. Um, I do think that I t- I've taken it out of my cube. I do feel that all of your lands tapping for green makes this a little too powerful. Uh, when this was in my Cubelet, it was one of the most powerful things uh, that, okay. you know, that you can draw. It was on the power level of um, Thrag Dusk and um, Siege Gang Commander. Um, but but it's it's a very good card. It plays very interestingly with um, uh, uh, you know in in the cubelet format, and I, I'm not surprised at all that this is one of your favorite cubelet cards. This is very much a Fred card. Yeah, I mean, I, all of all of the things I picked are Fred cards. You said Siege. That made me think of Siege Rhino. Why isn't Siege Rhino in the cubelet? It very much could be. You know, I mean, and and that's another um, that's another part of it. We didn't talk about this, but it's a very tightly designed experience. There's tons of cubelet cards I'd want to put in in the cubelet, but just there's just no room. You know, it's like what do you take out? I like all the cards that are in there. Um, so yeah, yeah th- that's totally a card that could fit into uh, Cubla in the future. Thank you, thank you for the idea. But yeah, totally not surprised that you picked Skews. Yeah, it's uh, I my my picks are very transparently mine. <laughs> um, but you've got this next one. This one's quite interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm picking Stab Wound as my last card, and the idea here is I want to highlight. Stab Wound is a very interesting card. It, it's kind of on. It's like it was a, a high pick in its draft envir- environment, but Stab Wound yeah. didn't really see play. I, I think maybe it saw maybe a tiny bit of standard play, but Stab Wound is its limited level removal. But it's such a cool card that um, I think Cubelet is the perfect place to highlight these cards that are playable and have cool interesting effects but just aren't mm-hmm. on the power level in a normal constructive format you can create a format where stab wound is a good card and i think that i've done that here in this cubelet so stab wound it is enchantment aura three mana two generic and one black enchant creature enchanted creature gets minus two minus two and then at the beginning of the upkeep of enchanted uh, creatures controller that player loses two life so you can use it as removal. It's minus two, minus two. You could shrink down a smaller creature, and then that creature will hurt their opponent over and over again. If you put this on a wall, man, that's a you, know, you get a stew going there. Uh, you know, yeah. There's a lot of interesting gameplay, and I think Cubla is the perfect place to highlight cards like this. Yeah, I think my favorite um, format to play Stab Wound in is the Waffle House parking lot after F and M. Yeah, yeah, that's I. I think that that's a, a great place to do that. Yeah, get, please continue doing that, Frederick. I think that'd be uh, very great for your future. But you have told Tribal, you're leaking, Bucko. 
you have one more card that you want to talk about and talk, man talk about frederick cards this is this is a big <laughs> one tell us about primal command yeah this is just my favorite card in magic but i think it plays really interestingly with cubelet um so it's three and double green uh for a command sorcery so choose two uh target player gains seven life or put target non-creature permanent on top of its owner's library or target player shuffles his or her graveyard into his or her library or search your library for a creature card reveal it and put it into your hand then shuffle your library so you get to choose two of those things. Uh, it does tutor for a creature, which I know you said you don't like tutors in your cubelet personally, but I do, and I think especially yeah. at this level it's probably fine. Gaining seven life can you know give you a couple more turns to try to get out of a jam, uh, which you know is less relevant and constructed when decks are so tightly built. But in in cubelet, which feels like limited, you know you really could draw something that gets you out of a out of a jam in the turns that seven life buys you yeah. put a non-creature permanent on top of its owner's library you basically you know worst case scenario is you get rid of one of your opponent's lands but if there's an equipment or an aura or something you don't want to deal with that goes right on top of their library um and then you can shuffle their graveyard or your graveyard back into the cubelet um which will not only shuffle in whatever you put on top so it's kind of gone but also like if there are good cards in your opponent's graveyard and you don't want them to recur them and you want a chance to draw them, shuffle them back in and then, you know, grab a creature or whatever. So there's just so many different modes that this card really, like, uh, tests you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. This is a you card for sure. And, yeah, it does a great job of highlighting all the stuff we talked about in considerations. All the all the stuff that I kind of shy away from but you think is good is actually done in this card. So, yeah, th you're, you're right. This this has a lot more cubelet consider, uh, you know, consideration points than I thought it would. Yeah, so this is a perfect – even though this is just your favorite card, this is still a great pick for, yeah, for a cubelet. Yeah. And I noticed that you picked three green cards. I didn't notice that. See, the last one was going to be Siege Rhino, but then I was like, we'll probably talk about that in the power level section, but then I forgot to. Um. Right, right, right. This, um, this is the, probably the best time for me to tell um, one of my the most interesting cubelet cards that I've come across and used to be in my cubelet. You mentioned that with Primal Command, you can uh, make your opponent put a land onto the top of the deck. Um, and mm -hmm. then that begs the question, it's like, which land do you pick? Because they all have different considerations. Yeah. There is a um, a card I used to have in my cube called the Prive. And this is, it's basically Counterspell. Um, it's a, uncommon from uh, Rise of the Eldrazi. But the additional cost is that you have to return a land from your battlefield to your hand. And I thought that that was an interesting sub-game. Um, it turns out that it was actually a little too interesting because then you have to ask the question. It's like, can you look at your lands? You know, can, do you want your opponent to sit there and have to look at the five lands that they have um, up on the um, battlefield and uh, figure out what would be what would be best? That is a very interesting sub game for those that are willing to play it. Um, I, think, I think you should. I, I know you would want that for sure. I kind of want to shy away from that, but that is the type of card that really kind of breaks the format or not breaks the format in the way that we normally mean that it kind of bends the rules of cubelet to the point where you know like you you have to think about how your cards interact with um you know the the, the rules of, of cubelet but yeah deprive if you love the sub games deprive is definitely a card you should be looking at and primal command kind of does that same thing where you need to kind of like know what lands you're working with and uh yeah and, and you know decide beforehand can you look at face down lands um but yeah this is a very interesting card yeah um so speaking of very interesting cards 
Uh, the bonus segment from last week with a hit was a hit with the two of us. Um, and I hope some listeners, hopefully we'll get some feedback on that soon. Uh, so we were going to, we're going to be rotating the bonus segment soon, but we're going to do the same bonus segment again. Um, Will, do you want to explain this bonus segment? Right. right you know, just to, um, just to wrap up, you know, Cubelet, we love Cubelet. Um, oh, you yeah. know, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's all sorts of ways that you could do it. You know, check out the links that we'll have in the description, uh, you know, for the stuff that we talked about. And, you know, if you, you know, the next time you get together with people, j- just try Cubelet. You know, it's it's a lot of fun. All Like, even if you just wanted it to be a random pile of 100, you know, just, to, you know, whatever cards are laying around, it would be fun. You know, just try it out and see if this is something that um, that you want to do. Um, you know, we've we've come to love this format, and I think that you will, too, once you try it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that that's for some reason. I thought we were gonna do that after the bonus segment. It doesn't make any fucking sense. You're right. Um, <laughs> no, no, so, no it, it, it's all okay. That being said, yes, we're doing the bonus segment. We wanted to run it back. We had so much fun talking about random cards from Scryfall that we wanted to do it again. So let's just jump right into it. Let's let's go ahead and give our gut shot on how what we think about these. I'm sure very lauded and powerful magic cards. All right, are you gonna read the first card or should I'll, I? I'll read the first card. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Okay. So we have um, the classic magic card swamp here, basic land swamp. You know it. You love it. It taps for um, it taps for one black. I actually don't know what set this is. Is this one of the commander decks? Yeah, this is one of the command. This is the year that they were all tribal. Oh. Uh, and this is a mark pool swamp with a little uh, question mark uh, frond sticking out of it and a shooting star in the background. This is pretty. It's unfortunate that it's not full art. But it's a pretty swamp. I, I I can appreciate just the classic like non full art uh, full art basic lands. I can still get behind those. I will say that swamp is probably super high in the um, basic land power rankings. Just just actual lands because black is the color that has the most cards that care whether you have actual swamps. Um, mm, I, that's true. Yeah, like cabal coffers or, or something like that. So you know um, if you're playing a colors. Black is the one that wants you to have the most uh, of that type of basic land intrinsically within its card. So Swamp, pretty good. All right, I will read the next one uh, to give you a break. Uh, Sentinel Totem is an artifact for one. It's an uncommon from Ixalan. Uh, and when Sentinel, when Sentinel Totem enters the battlefield, scry one. Tap Exile Sentinel Totem. Exile all cards from all graveyards. So this is a genre of card we see like every set. You know, Scrabbling Claws, um, Grafdigger's Cage, uh, Relic of Progenitus. You know, just Graveyard Hate. Uh, maybe Grafdigger's Cage doesn't fit in there so well, but a card that can exile all cards from all graveyards. Um, you know, just shut off anything graveyard your opponent's doing. Maybe do something extra on the side. In this case, Scry 1. Uh, how do you feel about Sentinel Totem? Yeah, this uh, um, this may be one of the first cards that was kind of meant to be a, like, clearly we're trying to get as close to Relic Progenitus as possible without actually reaching that power level. This may have been one of the few of that type of card, and we've seen that over and over again since it's Ixalan with things like um, the Lantern. Um, like, uh, mm-hmm. what's the Lantern from Theros Beyond Death? That one that sees a lot I- of play. 
I don't know. We uh, we actually cleaned up with that at pre-release, though. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there's one from Theros. There's one from Theros that does something similar. Um, I think that all of these cards have really just proven that Relic of Progenitus is still the top tier, and that's kind of if you if you want a one man artifact that deals with the graveyard, that really is what you want. Um, so you know, Sentinel Toten didn't really get there. We've seen better ones since then. But I gotta be honest, if my opponent you know played one of these that scary looking face on that totem, I'd be pretty skeeved out. I, I think that I, I would definitely kind of uh, knock me off my game a little bit. Yeah, they look like they, it looks like the little worm that goes in the back of the Bionicles. Grokshi, <laughs> uh, that's embarrassing that I know that. Ah, it's staring into my soul. Yeah. Uh, next card. Yes. That won't card. stare into your soul. I hope. Oh yeah, classic, uh, classic character from MTG that finally came back for M twenty one. This is Baron Talarian Archmage. I bet tons of people were excited for for this guy to come back. Three mana, one generic, and two blue legendary creature, human wizard. It's a two two. When uh, this card enters the battlefield, return up to one other target creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. So it's already mana war. Um, you know, Aetherite Adapt, right on the top. And mm -hmm. hits Planeswalker, so it's even a little bit better than that. At the beginning of your end step, if a permanent was put into your hand from the battlefield this turn, draw a card. So this is basically like Mana War Tribal Commander, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, I was thinking of it as just bouncing things that are that have good enters the battlefield effects, but I guess, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. That's pretty good. Yeah, um, to draw cards that's definitely why well it's legendary because it's barren but also like they clearly wanted this this is clearly meant to be if you win a mono blue deck that was all just aether adepts mana wars that this could fit into there while also just being a good card for you to play in like a blue tempo uh control deck because it is just a souped up aether adept so yeah th this this is a great card great card great um well-known character that i think this card's just a home run yeah, I I, uh, I think I agree. Uh, I don't have as much nostalgia for the character because I got into Magic Round Scars of Mirrodin. Sure. But I understand this was a, a soy face moment for a lot of players. Um, I do see this, the next one. I do see this um, uh, all the time on Arena. So this is a playable card oh. on, on Arena. So uh, you know, keep an eye out for it. You'll see it. Um, how about you read the next one? Oh, yeah. yeah sorry. Um, so this is Sorceress Spyglass. This is the pre-release promo from Eldraine. Uh, it's two mana artifact as uh, rare. As Sorcerer's Spyglass enters the battlefield, look at an opponent's hand, then choose any card name. Activated abilities of sources with the chosen name can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. So this is one more mana on a pithing needle, but you get to look at your opponent's hand. Um, so, you know, not as awful to play before you the game has gotten going and you know what your opponent's playing. Uh, you know, the idea was you named Planeswalkers with this. This named Menia Oko before it was banned. Um, before Oko was banned. This got banned in Brawl uh, on Arena just because, you know, they don't yeah. want you to basically blank any Planeswalker deck you're playing against, which is understandable, but also, like, just play Artifact Removal. Like, I don't know. Um, it's, and, it's, um, insane. it's insane that, like, uh, Fires of Invention still gets to exist in Brawl, but apparently this is beyond the pale. Like, it's obviously strong. You should put it in most decks, like, because your opponent's commander might be a Planeswalker. In fact, probably will. But like ban worthy, I guess it just it creates too many bad feelings for the Bronzos. Uh, um, let's hey, let's hey, the, the bronze players are all right. Okay, they're they're good in my book. Okay, um, for the the the, the brawl players. Okay, because um, okay, I'm I'm included there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, but I think it's a neat, it's a very elegant design. It's sort of the natural conclusion of like fitting needle type designs. Uh, the one mana is more important, so this doesn't really see play in modern. Um, just because, like, you'd rather be able to, you know, what your opponent's playing from the first land they drop in modern, and you'd rather be playing your disruption on turn one. This was the culmination of um, everyone just screaming at Wizards that Pithing Needle needed to be uh, evergreen in Standard. And they decided to make a little power-down uh, Pithing Needle um, that would be appropriate for the Standard uh, power level. Um, and and we, we could see that they planned on this actually being evergreen. It came out in Ixalan uh, and was uh, themed to be like a, you know, kind of a pirate's like spyglass. Um, and then here it's a little, since this is the Eldraine version, it's a, it's a little weird. Um, but we'll most likely see this card again down the road um, probably in the next set or two. That way it's still in Standard when um, uh, Eldraine rotates out. So be on the lookout for another reprint of this card very soon. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised, or they'll just give us Pithing Needle back for the hype. <laughs> that would but. actually be pre that would actually be pretty good. And I think that they could format, or they could, um, uh, 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 they, they could power the, le uh, the um, format to accommodate that. Yeah. All right, yeah, let's let's move on to Clockwork Servant. This is a card that's actually, speaking of Brawl, this is an interesting kind of monocolor Brawl card. Clockwork Servant is an artifact creature, three generic mana. Um, it's a 2-3 artifact creature gnome and has adamant when it enters the battlefield if at least three mana of the same color was spent to cast it, draw a card. Yeah, so you'll often see this in monocolor Brawl decks as just a card that will, it's a 2-3 that comes into play in cycles just because they can. Um, so um, I, I never liked the card. Uh, Emery is probably the deck, uh, you know, the artifact, um, you know, the artifact Emery deck is probably the deck that makes the most use of this card. But I've seen this in Mono Red Brawl decks like Perforos, and I actually kind of hate it and always take it out. <laughs> I, I, I don't find this card actually strong enough to, to be a, a, pro, a Brawl playable card. I don't know anything about this card in Brawl, but I know in Eldraine Limited it's very good. You know, a lot of times you're going to be really happy to be in the Adamant deck because you're going to get a few cards that are just way above curve, and this is one of them. And I think it's a really elegant design because it doesn't demand a specific color devotion. You just need three devotion to a color. So, you know, it kind of gets nabbed up faster than, like, if it costed triple blue or something, you know, it would probably be circling the drain because what are the odds that not only you're playing a devotion deck, but that devotion deck of the five? Um, so it's, it's, it's cool that we have this, uh, in that limited format. I think it's an elegant design and it'd be nice if it came back for the next set where devotion mattered or where we get adamant. Do you think that this was originally a stuffy doll, um, kind of successor, uh, based on the art? Oh, and they like repurposed the art cause they decided they didn't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think this might've been a stuffy doll? Maybe. And then it made its way into M21 in the form of that goblin that's like, fuck you. Yeah, which by the way, should, yes, which by the way should be a white card. Okay, uh, a white red maybe. No, no, I think it's, I think well, it, fight fight would be awkward in white, but I think the overall design yeah. stuffy doll should be a white effect. But anyway, uh, yeah, clockwork servant not good for brawl, good for limited. Keep that in mind the next time you do a flashback. Uh, Eldraine card draft, but um, let's move on to our next card, uh, and I believe you'll read this one. Yeah, so this is Turret Ogre, three and a red for a 4-3 Ogre Warrior, common from War of the Spark, with Reach. 
When Turret Ogre enters the battlefield, if you control another creature with power 4 or greater, Turret Ogre deals 2 damage to each opponent. Uh, getting that each in for 2 at a giant. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dude, those birds are yeah. about to have a bad time. Yeah, those those uh, those zombie birds are regular. Those are those are eternal, right? Yeah, yeah. Those eternalized birds are um, about to get murked, mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting because turret ogre can't hit uh, creatures. I think it would be a much better card if it could. Uh, but you still don't feel awful to have these in your limited deck. Uh, I think that's obviously where it sees play. Um, you know, you're not. This is not good enough for standard. Um, but yeah, it is. Um, you know, it's a, it's a decent card. Four mana, four threes, you don't feel awful about playing in limited. And then, you know, it has a chance to do two to your opponent. All right, okay, so I need to talk about the flavor text here. Common Gruel Career Aspirations. Berserker, Shaman, Catapult. Um, I, I think that there's probably a, a couple of different um, Gruel um, uh, occupations that, uh, you know, we could come up with. I'm thinking Snot Artist. Right, you know, drawing the, drawing the sigils on the um, on the uh, on the stone with the with the snot. What what other gruel career aspirations uh, would be possible? Goop barista. Oh, nice, nice. Yo, I'm gonna say I don't want my lawyer to come from Orzov. I know that they they aren't completely on the up and up. I'd much rather have a, a goblin berserker have be my lawyer in the Azorius courts. Right. Yeah. Um, to take these divorce papers, Karen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, let's, let's be honest. It's mostly going to be a berserker, shaman or catapult, but, uh, yeah. We could have my, uh, we could have a, a gruel stockbroker, not oh. gruel than divest. <laughs> nice. Nice. I love that, man. I, if, if, if we could uh, make that the, the episode title, I would be all for that. <laughs> I think that would be a little bit too, um, specific to this one joke that we made at the end. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm all, I'm all for it, but, um, I guess, I guess speaking on that, I think that's all the cards uh, that we have, um, for today. And I think that's going to be the end of our program. Um, yeah, again, uh, Cubelet, it's good. You should play it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it is good and you should play it. You should build one, uh, cause you're in quarantine. What else are you going to do? It's super easy. You can put one together with the cards you already own. Don't, don't order any cards. <laughs> cards, okay. cards, cards are bad. Don't buy cards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you can buy cards from our sponsor, um, Blackwater. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> okay. I'm okay. I'm not even going to try that. Anyway. Okay. How about we? Uh, how about we button this one up, man? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, outro. 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 <laughs> commence. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gunshot. It really means uh, you know the world to us that you you know check us out you know episode per episode. Uh, if you want, you can follow me at Agra Rhetoric on Twitter. Uh, Frederick is at War Crimes Ubu on Twitch or at Fred SB on Twitter. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, again, you know we would love it if you would like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell icon if you know that vibes with you. Um, and if you want, you can follow the show on Twitter at Gutshot pod yeah uh that's all the time we've got for the day uh this has been gut shot the only podcast your mom listens to that's not about serial killers eating people's toes Ooh. uh and we hope you will tune in again next week when we talk about magic the gathering again <laughs> later <laughs>